Hey everyone, I'm Rain, and welcome to Talking in Stations. I'm joined by Madaral, Kenneth, Fonsui, Asherathi, Nick Bison, our show or our engineer, and then Shen. Does everyone want to say hi at once so everyone gets used to your voices? Hi. 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 <laughs> I don't know if you guys would do that, but I love it. <clears throat> All right. So All we've. Right. I was gonna say we've had a busy week in Eve, but not like big news items. I'm gonna start at the big, the biggest news, which is obviously the Raiju, the first Raiju dying. So we have a video of it. There's comments on the people who killed it. The video is actually from the person who died, so you can see kind of what a disaster that was for him. But that, I call it the biggest news because that's something I obviously care about. I love watching shiny ships die. I also love sitting in them. So very pretty. Explain what the Raiju is for me. Oh yeah, I just assume everyone knows what the Alliance tournament is. So the Raiju was the, I believe it was the frigate. I think it's the frigate that di- yep. for the, for the latest Alliance tournament. So that was Alliance tournament 17 back in November. So for those who were able to watch and bid points, so the Raiju was handed out to what was it? It was top 16 teams, and there were a total of 140 of them. So the Raiju is the frigate, the Laylaps, I believe is how you pronounce it, the cruiser. That's me. All right, sweet. I was, I'm glad I got those right, because sometimes I mix them up. They get confusing. So the ship itself, I believe, was selling for was it 150 or 250 billion. Usually the winning teams kind of get together and like set a price. So it's at least over 100 billion. So the people who are flying it are obviously either really rich or won them and have a lot of courage and non-risk averseness. So I think is the polite mm. way of putting it. So this individual kill marks on it. Yeah, so they want to fly around, you know, get frags. Like since there's not a lot of them, it's very easy to get it on Z kill. And a lot of people say, well, Z kill's permanent, so they can see it forever. Say hello to my cat. <laughs> hello, cat. Um, I like the way she was petting you with her tail. That was hilarious. She's a brat. Mentioning that CCP distributed significantly more of these reward yes. chips than they have in previous years for Alliance tournaments, and we should see at least a couple more of them in space. Yeah, so that's another thing, too. I think a lot of folks have been flying around with them. Like the moment they were released, like they had all the materials ready to go, built them because they're issued as blueprints. So normally it's 50 per ship with the Alliance tournament, but, th- but this last year they increased that to 140, so nearly three times the amount. And then distributing them to the top 16 teams rather than the top four allows you know them to be more accessible. So instead of the top teams getting richer, it spreads the wealth. So if you, many even individuals attempted to go for the Alliance tournament last year, I think you only had to win two or three matches and you were guaranteed a, at least one AT ship to split amongst your team. Wow, so, how do you split that? A lot, of, a lot of folks may just sell them and then split mm. the ISK. Yeah. Depending on the group, sometimes they'll say, okay, well, here's the ship. Let's put it in a shared hangar or amongst our shared group of friends and fly it around. It all depends. There are entire branches of mathematics to answer that question. Yeah. Well, Some... they... Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, they, say... they, either end up, they either end up sharing it or selling it and splitting it. Yeah. And sometimes the selling and splitting can be used to further fund the Alliance tournament. That's so I know... what I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah, sell sometimes... it and re- reinvest the ISK in the next year. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you have to buy all the ships on Tranquility to fly them in the Alliance tournament, or just the entry fee. So many times in the past, they would have like a bidding system. So, you know, certain teams would get an invite back, and then some teams would have to do like a silent auction to bid for a spot. And that can get pretty pricey if you want a guaranteed spot, because otherwise you're stuck training for like a feeder round or getting luck of the draw. Most years lately, 
groups have been doing feeder rounds because those seem to take a huge interest to kind of build hype for a tournament. So Alliance Tournament did it. Anger Games is doing it then again this year for May, May or June. And then I think Alliance Open had them too. Does um, anger, If you get a anger. ship, is that an auto-invite next year? Top 16? What's, what's the auto-invite cutoff? That I'm not sure. So in the past, it's like multiple years prior, like 2018 and prior, it's been top 16, but that was when it was 64 teams. So this last year started out for the Alliance Tournament, it was 32, and then they bumped it up to 40. So I'm not sure if they're actually going, like, if they're going to increase it to 64 because of the interest, or if they're going to keep it at 32 just for the workload because it's a lot of effort to put these on. So I don't know if they said yet what the plan is, but there is going to be another Alliance tournament. So Alliance tournament 18 of this year, but right. I'm not hundred percent sure of, you know, how they're organizing. They, they also, see? because the Alliance tournament was so successful this year, I know that they've like allocated more resources. CCP affinity or Aurora has been kind of upgraded thanks to her efforts on it. So we are kind of on uncharted territory as far as the AT goes in, in a good way. Aurora dedicated a lot of her off work time to, to helping upgrade the tools. So then she recently transitioned to a game dev, but she mentioned she will be still working on the Alliance tournament, but it also falls to the community team, which I know CCP Swift is really dedicated to keeping it running as well. Those guys, it's all pretty much off time that they dedicate to the AT. I don't think enough, I don't think enough could be said about the work that Aurora put in and how she had to color outside the lines and call in favors and get stuff done that essentially no one else was going to do and was outside of her job description to make this happen. So she deserves absolutely all the recognition that she's getting. Yeah. I did an interview with, I did an interview with them and like, I asked her like, so how did you build a coalition of people to like help you get the coding part done? And she's like, no, I, I learned how to do it. I had them teach me like what needed to be done or how to code enough to do it. And then I did it. Like she did the lion's share of the work. Every single time I tried to like, get like poke for who else was involved everybody just kind of pointed to ccp aurora as being the person who spearheaded and muscled the whole thing across the finish yeah, line. all she all she really got other people to do was allow her to do the work well and that's what she was part of the community team and the alliance tournament is a community team project so that was that part of it was in her job purview more or less. The other huge time-consuming thing is broadcasting it. And that fell to Eve and T, who are very good at it, probably better than CCP to a certain degree. And they did an excellent job as well. But that that bandwidth that Eve and T took up there reduced CCP's input to it quite a bit. Yeah, and it should be worth noting that comes from like her experience working with the you know tournament people from before and her and connections and all sorts of stuff. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, and it's worth noting that CCP actually invested in EVENT, so I mean CCP had to fly them out there, give them the production area, etc. Yeah, money so it but was not, not time. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, money's easier to come by than than devs and time to to get the work done. Yeah, but it's very clear CCP has a continued interest in the Alliance tournament, and we can see that by how much they're dedicating, both on both like money-wise and whatever time they're if able to afford, and then like seeing seeing kind of these results too, right? So we recently had the AT ships be released, and now we're already watching them die. 
it's creating, I, I want to don't want to be like slap a creating content sort of thing, but it's really exciting for folks to see. I was actually in a Spectre fleet last night and there were some folks in Tama with their AT ships, like Tiamat from years before. And it was really fun just watching folks being able to go and look and see, oh, hey, here are the AT ships. Like they're just sitting in a pos hanging out. And it's exciting to see the fact that, you know, you know, there are individuals who are able to not only afford these ships, but fly them around and it's becoming more and more accessible for individuals. Right. It's so always very exciting, killed. you know, to just be roaming around one night on a normal just weekday evening with your little gang. And then suddenly somebody finds like, shoot, I can't even think of any of the other AT ships. But, you know, you Roger. see one of those like a, a fiend. Yeah. An a fiend. Yeah, you see, it's just like a white whale. You're like, holy crap. And like your whole group starts trying to chase after them. And of course, you never catch them. And they kill like half of you in the process. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking wow. about. The only one that ever does what you just described is Von Holt. I remember so, this from like years I'm, ago. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm referring to I was going to say, yeah, speaking yeah, yeah. of Von Hole, that was actually the reason this Raiju yeah. died. Oh, I, this is a Von Hole? He got it? It is. So I don't know if folks remember. I think a few weeks, maybe a couple months ago, he posted on the forum saying, hey, buy this permit for, I don't know how much a month it was. I want to say like, like five bill. Yeah, it was or, uh, ten billion a month. It's crazy. Yeah, it was it was low to people who can afford to AT shows. So like to a normal individual, like that's pretty high. And so he's like, "Hey, buy this permit, and we'll let you fly around in total safety." And like there was the discussion of, "Is it a scam? Can he be trusted? What's going on?" And it was really really interesting because the moment Gackle died, so Gackle was the pilot of the Raiju, Von Hole and some of the other AT folks were talking in a channel, and Von Hole was like. Hey, yeah, that like I think he was on an alt because he said he kept his main and perimeter because he knew people would be running locator agents. So for those who don't know, locator agents are NPCs. You can pay them money and they'll identify where pilots are in space. And so he knew if he picked anywhere in like low sec, null sec or like a wormhole where it will say unknown, people would know that he's out hunting. So he had to keep his character in a high sec system like perimeter so people would be OK. But I think it, I think it was hilarious that he ended up catching the catching this guy, having to use some like metagaming to figure it out. Did, was there any word on whether the offer was real or not to allow people to buy permits I, to be safe? The world will never so know. I don't know because I don't think Gacko bought a permit. I don't know if like a lot of these folks like yeah, I, normal I AT pilots are. Yeah, and like nobody knows, right? Like I don't know if he's ever done third party things or anything else. But at the same time, Alliance Tournament pilots and Alliance Tournament ships, or pilot like pilots of those ships, aren't really known for like dodging risk. They're never going to be like, nah, man, I don't want to be hunted. Like that's kind of the thrill of it is that you're flying out there and you could die. Like that's why they do some of this stuff. Right. You don't want that attached to your reputation either, right? If and honestly, the I so paid to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't necessarily. Well, I mean, you paid to be safe from Von Hole so that you could like have your regular danger because th so that's the thing. Yeah. This guy, this one player, has instilled this like culture of fear in all of New Eden regarding Alliance tournament ships. When he says, "I'm selling a permit or I'm a get you," he's like the one player that has the juice to back that up, and you could just look at his killboard to see all the AT ships on it. Yeah, I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but it's the best chance you've got. <laughs> for sure yeah. right. a lot of th a lot of things too with like i don't know if you call them rookie mistakes but a lot of it seems like what von hole does is just exploit people trying to get easy frags so like he'll be like oh here's this random alt character i'm gonna slap a bunch of webs and a scram on them that way any alliance tournament ship that comes to me i can pin them down and then like bring in some bat like allies 
And he always, that always seems to be the story when he catches someone. And then in this instance, it was completely different. So you can see the video. I don't know the context or like any of the comms, but you can watch him just warp to blindly warp to a wormhole. I shouldn't say blindly. Maybe he had an alt or something, but he's warping to a wormhole. All these people jump in through the wormhole and he attempts to take the wormhole and it collapses and then he just dies. And so it's one of those instances where it's like, should he had a scout, you know, checking the other side? Maybe he did and just didn't see them. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point. So what he's preying on is people who want the easy kill. So he knows how to bait that in and then he counterattacks. Yeah. Hmm. So like, I think Everybody one of the... gets lazy eventually. Yeah. Because one of the stories... Eventually. Yeah. I remember one of the stories, he... It was either him or one of his group. A lot of people give credit to Von Hole, but it's worth noting that he has a group of friends that do this. So it's not just a single man, like multi-boxing 20,000 accounts. But it's worth pointing out that I think one time he made an alt account and then sat in a system for like a month, like trying to solo PvP on that account and solo PvPing terribly, like bad fits, just trash talking and local. And then eventually someone brought their AT ship and he caught them and murdered them. And they were like, and everyone was like, oh, why did you fall for that? It was like a meme name with like trash, like terrible trash talk. And they're like, this guy was so obvious. And they're like, no, I thought he was an easy frag. It's like, no. Yeah, he, he plays on he plays on hubris, and he's just yeah. there, ready for it, and he knows how to provoke it. Well, well the other the, solution is to just be so paranoid you never fly it, right? I mean, like, there's a certain amount of hubris that's essential to even undock the thing. Is that your uh, significant other there? Yeah, she was just saying hi to Rain. That's all. Oh, they they went. Kenneth and his family went on the cruise, and so I was there with my family. So it was a lot of fun socializing. Oh, the Alaskan one. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know you went on that. Wild. Yeah, I, I brought my wife and daughter, and and Rain brought her her uh, parents, and yeah, it was, it was quite fun. It was awesome. Time. <laughs> Rain's parents. Yeah. yeah, I like your parents. A lot of fun. We're gonna go to one Eve meet soon. There's we're doing the one in Iowa next month, so they'll be there. Nice. I, I I guess we can leave that for the end, but you're sponsoring that one. It, apparently, that's what it said on the Pulse. Yeah, so there are a couple of Easter eggs in that. Someone pointed it out to me, and they roasted me. But So the Pulse talked about, so Open Comms is sponsoring it. I point out Open Comms because we're bringing a bunch of swag from Open Comms and a bunch of other alliances, and then Dominark. So Dominark mm -hmm. does Open Comms, and he's hosted many of these meetups before. This one's a little more official because we asked CCP to promote it. So we're having like lanyards, stickers, badges, stuff like that. And we're we're meeting in Des Moines. We're going to do, it's like kind of low key. There's no like presentations or talks or anything like that. But we're going to be doing like karaoke. There's a place, it's called Smash Park, but I don't think that's really universal. It's kind of just like yard games, like yard games, bar games, like shuffleboard, stuff like that. So, and then you can have like drink some food. It's super low key chill. I said karaoke already. I'm going to see, we might check the vibe and see if we all want to go to a club or a casino because there's a casino nearby that's super chill. They used to do horse horse races. When is that happening? We might as well invite Oh people yeah, March 11th through March 13th. So if you are in the Midwest and can take a drive down to Des Moines, check it out. I can post the link in chat. I already did. Oh, you did? Bless. So check out that link, RSVP, join the Discord. We're, we're a lot of fun. It's worth noting that so like most some meets like, it's like I think E Vegas and FanFest are always in the same area. 
the Midwest meetup's going to move. So in years prior, it's been like Chicago, Minneapolis, now Des Moines. So we're aiming to just kind of shift it all around the Midwest. So that way, you know, folks who live a little further away can drive and then, you know, everyone can kind of mix this, it up. Is this your little world tour? With yeah. The, uh... <laughs> well, it's, it's hilarious. Cause like, Coming so you have people. You. Yeah. So like normal events, like Vegas, people are always like, Oh, I'll fly to Vegas. And then you do the Midwest, like the Midwest mentality is like, how far is Chicago? Oh, I can drive that. And so, so like for me, like Chicago is really close. I can drive. But if it was in like Ohio, I'd be like, mm, should I fly? Should I road trip with someone? And so we're kind of like capitalizing on the Midwest attitude where it's like, okay, now it's in Des Moines. So it's kind of more west of the Midwest. But maybe if we do it in Chicago, it's more central. But some people don't like Chicago. So then we'll host it over in Ohio at some point. So then that way all the people on the east side can meet up. Let me know when it gets to Arkansas. That'll be the good time. <laughs> so we could probably do like Missouri at some point. Because in that oh, way, it's, a, it's at least a trap, like a, Kiskora, not too far. Kaskora used to have a Missouri camping. Oh, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. I heard that was he, a lot of fun, too. And that might might be worth talking to her to see if, you know, it could be a joint effort or something. Dunk Dinkle approached me about doing a Los Angeles meetup. I don't know if that's public, but. It is idea. now. Just an idea. When is it? It's just an idea. It's not. It hasn't I really... thought. Because you have Carneros here, you have Lady Scarlet, you have goblins. I think you, you guys did mid, or, uh, meetups in LA all the time. We do, but they're actually like, not to be snobby, but they're like an hour out of LA kind of thing, or a half hour in Pasadena oh, area. Too far for you to drive? Which is, well, you know, I could well, drive I mean, to Chicago before I could drive to Pasadena. <laughs> like, yeah, that takes them nine hours to go three miles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, no, it's, it, but we, but that's every two weeks, which is, you know, that's the normal cadence. And you'll see, like I said, Lady Scarlet or Carneros or Max, the Pope, they all kind of show up to those. But the LA one would be more of an event and bigger, maybe. Oh, yeah. More yeah, formal. Maybe, yeah. Maybe closer to the West side. What, what year did I fly out to the eight? Oh, that was thing? funny. Can I tell that story? That was hilarious. Sure. It was, it was actually to watch Alliance Tournament in San Diego. Carneros put out this invitation, and I was going down there, and Lady Scarlet was going down there. And I walk in, and there's this bearded guy that you see over here. And he's like, hi. <laughs> I don't remember what we said, but I was like, you're Kenneth? What are you doing here? This is like the other side of the world for you. It's like, ah, it's a weekend. I just took a play. <laughs> so then you find yeah. out Kenneth just travels like crazy. Yeah, I mean, a ticket was like forty or yeah, forty-two thousand miles or something. And the hotel I stayed at Marriott, so I just used points. And Hertz owes me like three cars by now, so I just flew out. I think it cost me like twenty bucks for the entire weekend. In, and he's driving you know, a sports Texas. car. And... Yeah, I had a little Mercedes uh, convertible, convertible car. <laughs> yeah, yeah was, he's like, I'm gonna ride up the coast. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Yeah, I had, a, I had a good time out there, but two days is about my limit in California. I was ready to come home. Too much good stuff. But uh, he's like, yeah, I came out to meet you guys. And it's, it was like, wow, that's amazing that somebody would travel to do that. So uh, I think kind of special in that way. All right. So All right. do we want to talk about the other meetup or should we just transition and save that one for last? Yeah, we'll, save, we'll review this and save that one for last. Okay. So we can transition. I know, Matterall, you really wanted to talk about this topic, the horde, horde staging. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. You want to talk about it anymore? 
I, but we're going to make something up, right? Like that was the whole idea. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. so so the TLDR. By the way, my favorite terms in uh, talking in stations are TLDR, ELI five. Do you guys know what that means? Explain like I'm five. Yes, because that's kind of how I, that's the only way I can understand things. And I really don't have much information here except that there has been an announcement that Horde is moving their main staging to sit, I believe, between two areas. Is it Paragon Falls and Geminate? Or... No, it has nothing to do with anything like that. Oh, maybe that hasn't been announced yet? I don't know. No, no. You, said, well, tell, you tell me what happened. Okay, if you look at the capital or super capital umbrella range from R10 where they live now, it's 114 systems are in range. So that means they have 114 potential systems where they can rat in and have a super umbrella. Their new staging system has 215 systems within that same super capital umbrella range. So that's 101 potential additional systems where they can rat and mine with an umbrella. That's it. This this is me excited about another umbrella, like the whole umbrella gameplay. Um, yeah, but I mean that's smart. that's, the, right that's the reason. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 a smart move, don't get me wrong, but that's the reason. R10 is so close to what I refer to as the west coast of the drone regions that you just don't have any reach in into the west. Everything is to the south and the east. And so you, your potential number of systems in a circle is cut in half because of the divide between the drones and Geminate, the drones and Venal, the drones and what's it, Tenal up there, whatever's on the other side up north, that you only have half of the circle available to you. So he's just basically moving to where he has the whole circle available. And wow. I, th I think it's worth noting, like, with the history, so I don't know if you guys remember, was it 2019 when Tribute, when we had the Tribute War? So NCDOT and PL were kind of chased out of Tribute, so we shifted over to the drone regions, which were just, like, um, abandoned by Skillu. Uh, Horde went from Geminit down to drone regions to join us, and they sat in R1O because the thought was, okay, you know, I think it was Imperium, declared war to Glass, all of Venal, so they chased out, clear, killed killed majority of the structures and then the thought was well is this they just want to kill structures and and tribute or do they actually want to fight us and so the thought was well maybe they'll like pivot and then they'll come invade drones as well and so the we position based on like so r1o is a really good defense for folks entering into drone lands so kind of talking about being positioned on the west so it becomes super easy to go from r1o to anywhere sort of like the regionals etc and a lot of folks enjoy that because they come in, you know, from Paula to LXQ and Horde's only two, like a, a jump gate away and they can easily get some fights and it's super fun to have like response fleets. So that's, that's good for folks who want content, but in terms of like a war, that's kind of why it's there. So now that, so that was 2019, 2020, the big Vietnam kicked off or World War, World War B2. And so, so people were not home to do things so we didn't have like all of our caps and whatnot i say we so pan fam didn't really have all their caps back home to defend crabs and stuff like that the changes came in so they weren't really as needed so that's kind of where you know we didn't no one really cared about r1o we were all staging down in delve and so now we move back it's been some time since people have moved back everyone's getting settled not really sure what wars are on the horizon but 
I mean, if it's wartime, that Keepstar will still be there. The R1O Keepstar will still be there. But in terms of crabbing in peacetime, it's a lot better to have all those systems covered. Yeah, that Keepstar is in range of UDVW, 1S, MTO, and is only a gate and a jump bridge away from LXQ. And that's the four main regionals there. So, you know, that if if someone comes knocking on the door, you know, I mean, it's a quick move back. But for trying to fill your wallets and, you know, gather onto what you can, where they're moving to is a much better place. Real quick, Rain, just a quick takeaway. The uh, you call it Vietnam, so we'll refer to that. That's the war of last year. Yeah. That basically, everybody on one side went to war with Imperium at, in their home, kind of crushed them, but they survived, and then they re-expanded, they re-inflated. <laughs> yes. Um, that was supposed to be kind of a stop, burn your stockpiles kind of war. Whether it got there or not, I don't know. But what do you think that's done for the null landscape? Because it kind of sounds like it's been, it's a reset, and now it's another arms race to make money. Yeah, so so I'm not really sure. I know a lot of folks aren't really eager to get back into a war, right? Like, we spent a year, yeah. was it almost a year, on, mm-hmm. on that war? Yeah. Like a year and a month or whatever. So a lot of folks are like, I would say burned out. And when I say folks, I mean like leadership, FCs, you know, some of the logistics guys. Uh, a lot of people talk about the glory of the wars, but they kind of fail to realize like when you have FCs just like on their phone or ready to go all the time, they can get burned out real quick. Or the people who are, you know, jump freighting supplies, fuel, materials, et cetera, all the time, they get burned out real quick or trying to figure out, okay, if we're moving things this way, how do we you know, strategize for that or whatever, jump gates, et cetera, et cetera. People just get burned out. And so knowing that and knowing how long it took for, you know, destroying all those structures. So think of, so Vietnam was in Delve, right? So a lot of the structures were destroyed in Delve and now it's Imperiums rebuilding, right? As they should. They need to rebuild up their defenses from, from the structures wise and all that and get stuff established. But now think of it the opposite. Would like, so let's say it was flipped and the Imperium came to drone lands. Would they want to go to drone lands, move everything up there, and then start grinding down every single structure, similar to how it happened in Vietnam? And the answer is probably no. It's not fun. They did it in tribute. It wasn't fun for them. Like they did it for like a couple months in tribute, and you could tell like they just weren't having fun. Like in shooting structures, a lot of people like I'll say shooting keep stars is probably fun, but shooting other structures just generally isn't fun unless you get a fight. And if you it's not, there's no Sorry. fight. People are burned out. Starting a campaign to grind structures right now would be a terrible idea, given the fact that CCP has recently signaled that structure review is like the next thing on the docket. Yeah, that too. There's a lot of stuff coming from CCP that people aren't really like chomping at the bit to go start and create, you know, big wars. The battleship changes coming through, so people are getting ready, you know, they're gonna probably have to shift like shift all their doctrines, maybe add some battleship doctrines or change things up. Yeah, the structures, it's been implied there's stuff coming from structures. Everyone knows FanFest is like three months away. And they always announce something brand new at FanFest, so people want to wait for FanFest. And so a lot like right now it it seems very peace. There's stuff happening, like in terms of like there, you know, there's still fights happening, there's still people doing things. But in terms of like a large scale effort or large scale shakeup of null politics, I think that's a little more long term. Yeah. Well, I was thinking in turn go ahead, Kenneth. Yeah, as far as stockpiles, just just as a little side note, I stopped building last June, roughly, when the war kicked off on the 4th of July or whenever it kicked off, I just built my first Munin last week. 
And that was only because we had like two or three new corps join PL. So a lot of them had to buy the doctrine ships. But if they hadn't joined, our stockpile from before the war would still be getting us through all the way through today. So, so that, that, yeah, that thing didn't burn squat for stockpiles. Well, it's like 4,000 structures destroyed in the tri-quad region of Delve. That's something. And you saw a lot of dreads get used up. Yeah. Nobody will tell you what they have left, but we assume something happened. Maybe. I don't know. It's sad if it didn't. That makes me sad if it didn't. But Yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know what their numbers are, but I can guarantee you ours, we, yeah, didn't even, didn't even scratch the, we didn't even get the patina off of the, of the, the system. Well, it's, it's, it is what it is. The, I, I just wanted to get Rain's take on, like, are we in a, we, are we in a crabbing phase? Are we in a building phase all around the null sec? I, I would say yes, but I don't think, I always think when I think of like crabbing phase, I just think back of like 2018, 2019, when like, like fleets weren't like, oh, let's, you know, create content, like fight, like create a timer, have a fight, fight over it, you know, call good fights in local. I just remember like 2018, 2019 was, hey, let's go find a Roracle mining or a super ratting, kill it and hope there's a response fleet. And like, that was how you created content. And I don't know if that's the same here. It still feels like people are finding ways to create timers or create content. Like I hear tons of fighting down in the Southeast regions. I want to say esoteria, but I don't know if that's accurate because I'm, I'm not directly involved in any it's, of that. I just hear more like Tenerifus now. Yeah. Tenerifus. Okay. But yeah, stuff down there. I mean, I've been doing stuff in Venal and like, in my mind that's content, but I think it's a little more serious for, you know, the people in the opposition because it's their home. Yeah. I don't oh. know. I just, Oh, go on. Go on, Shin. Uh, fighting for Tenerifus is like, it's basically two coalitions right now. Well, technically three, right? RMC and Prophet Imperium fighting like the other side. I mean, there's still, well, like before last week, uh, a lot of actions was happening. Like we had like fleas almost every night, timers, iHub, structure, everything. I mean, due to real life, it means it can slow down. But I think. When things get going, I think there will be lots of lots of fights happening down south, just like before. Are these just content fights, or are these like war type S fights? Well, it's not as big of a war, but there are strategic objectives that, okay. like I have like nodes, structure timers, and things like that. It's not main. Uh, it's not made for content, I would say, but like to actually control the system. Okay, so that's like that's a bit more serious than like what I think my group's doing up in Venal, because yeah, when you're fighting over iHub timers or you're you're creating iHub timers, then actually trying to go for it, I think that's a bit more serious. Mm. All right, Rain, we have a couple uh, quick news items that we can skate through, like uh, Black Omega Security Corporation leaves Test and joins Horde. Yeah, I would call that like a news item for people who like drama. Because there's always speculation and stuff like that. There's hardly anything to speculate because everybody from Test is moving to Horde or a lot of their active groups. It's yeah. not out of the ordinary right now. And like, I feel like, so I always feel like, so when corps leave and join stuff, unless it's the core corp of an alliance, I feel like it doesn't matter. So like, if this were Dreadit, I think this would be more serious. But this is Boss. And for those who don't know, like a lot of people, I remember on Trash Talk Tuesday, they were like, why didn't Boss join PL? And it's like, well, Boss left PL in 2019. It's like people have such a short memory. 
of these corpse. And so it only matters like that week it happens and then literally nobody cares. Well, it's also worth noting that like, so Test Alliance obviously was made from Reddit, but of all of the different organizations, especially the larger organizations, Pandemic Horde is probably one of the, the groups that have used Reddit the most beyond besides uh, Test. So I assume that there's probably a lot of similarities to their culture and how they communicate and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna uh, trust your opinion on that because I don't. I don't have an opinion. <laughs> I know that the Pandemic Horde subreddit is often pretty active. I haven't checked recently, but I know that like Pandemic Horde has also grew up on Reddit more or less. Okay. So, so Darf in the audience says that his pretty serious try is trying to take space in Immensia. Have Have you heard of that? I have not. I always so I always get mixed up with trying a couple other small smaller I'll say smaller in the scale of like blocks alliances. But the fact that they're trying to take space excites me because I remember when I started getting into Nullsec alliances, I think Try had like was born and died again. So the fact that they're back and doing stuff is like good in my book. Eleventh time, I think, and, yeah. and I'm not exaggerating. I think this is about their eleventh mark. Eleven, they call it. Yeah. I remember Mark Seven was like in 2015. So. Yeah, they're one of those. I I like try. I've never flown with them. I don't really talk to them, but I like trying the aspect that they're always like a smaller alliance. Like they're never, you know, they're never like a goon swarm or a pandemic horde, right? Like they're always smaller. Maybe they'll join a block, maybe not. But they just seem to kind of just do whatever they want, and people either get mad at them or love them for it. Yeah, that's triumvirate, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, try was around before NC dot. I think the leader of NC dot was part of try way back in mark two mark one mark two so they've just been around i think they revolve around garst uh, their leader and yeah and when, when he's available they form when he's not available they kind of go idle or cruise there's a few alliances like that they're just they're just really organized by one guy that can one guy that can command the loyalty of guys to form around them to make them a significant force in eve online there's there's definitely a few of those yeah, there's a lot of old school bobs still around too that people don't realize as well. Where are they? No, I mean just the people, oh. not necessarily the corpse together, but but the the those guys they they know who each other are and they they keep tabs. Interesting. All right, so yeah, that was from the audience there, Black Omega Rain. Then there's the stuff on uh, main, main incursion fleet FC has his cloaky ganked. Yeah, so I, I was looking at that and I was like, because normally I don't really care about kill mail posts unless they're wild. Mm. So this one shows like a hundred bill loss, which I mean, like that's a good gank, like that's pretty good, like if you're trying to loot stuff. But then the comments here point out the the individual who owns the account is a longtime incursion FC, and so it would fly all the fancy mods and ammo, and then so prize abyssal mods, officer abyssal rolled mag stabs. And it points out, so the guns on Z-Kill show only about 2 bill. But in reality, they're 15 to 30 bill each. Oh. So, or maybe total. I don't actually, I shouldn't say each or total. But the, the comment is really just, okay, so it shows 100 bill on Z-Kill, on Z but the reality is it's worth way much more. Yeah, Z-Kill sometimes fails. It's usually pretty, pretty accurate because most items have a good valuation. For what the ship? moment you have, yeah, the moment you have something that doesn't have a good like in-game valuation like an alliance tournament ship that you know like they just assign a value to that and 
or a titan or something like that people know what a titan is worth but it's not because the game market says estimated price yeah he squiz absolutely assigns values to at ships and he just put gen he just puts general values in he has shifted them up over the years but but it is what it is i mean everyone knows what they cost as far as titans and super he has overridden those as well to a certain degree but right now it's kind of difficult because their market price and their build price are so massively different that i'm honestly i haven't talked to him about it in a couple weeks about where he's actually settled out at but at the end of the day everyone knows what they cost if they die they die yeah i guess that would be a judgment call between the skyrocketed production price and the actual sale price that people sell it to each other you have to decide what's the real value there and he just doesn't want to get into that game so he just picks a number slaps it in there if you don't like it make your own freaking killboard and that's exactly what he's going to tell you right in this case priceless means 150 million isk or billion isk sorry so like the items that are priceless like this raiju is just listed as valued at 150 billion Lorraine, what I'm seeing is that this guy was in a transport ship moving items around. Yep. So the... he does Yeah, so he does that for incursions. So he'll he'll move them around between incursion systems, that way they're they're there when needed. I believe does he do these incursions in high sec? So a lot of times it's so when you're in high sec, you know, you're probably far from a trade hub, so it's easier to have somebody move them all for you. Yeah, the way incursion runners move their ships, they'll get a bowhead. And they'll put all the ships in the bowhead. But if you leave all the blingy mods on them, it just makes the bowhead a pinata and they're extremely easy to gank. So they'll take all the blingy stuff off and put it in a blockade runner, run the blockade runner up, and then the ships aren't worth enough to make the bowhead worth ganking. And when they get there, he just fits all the mods back to his ships out of the bowhead again. And his blockade runner got ganked. Oh, wild. That's interesting. Someone that just that just reminds me of like, oh, I don't know, like an armored car <laughs> getting somebody knew the secret route of the armored car or whatever and just took it out wild. All right. What's next? Um, so. Oh, no. Hold Bowl on. Eviction. Uh, wormhole. Uh, I know nothing. Wormhole Sorry, eviction. Okay, run there. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, Shen. Go ahead. What? You, you you can't really scan that thing, so every time you pop one, it's like a mystery box. It, and unless you the know the pilot. If you okay, know, yeah. Unless you know if the you pilot. know that FC and you know his alt and you know that the last incursion just popped yesterday and a new incursion showed up here and that alt is flying a blockade runner between those two points, that's not nearly as iffy of a chance is if you just sit on a perimeter gate and pop blockade runners to come through. That's a that's an extremely educated guess that that thing's going to be a pinata. That being yeah, said, yeah. research. if you are using a blockade runner and you're flying it into Jita, you better just expect there to be a tornado sitting on Jita that will pop you the second you land if you're not already docking. They just sit there and they pop every single one of them. This is why if you are an incursion runner, don't try to be a hauler. If you move that stuff around high sec so frequently, such high value stuff so constantly and so regularly, 
it's worth striking up a deal with any of the professional haulers who aren't going to get ganked the way you would. Also, it has this little feature called a cloak. I'm guessing they didn't get the cloak off. Well, yeah, yeah, we're assuming we're assuming he knows how to use a cloak. I mean, so like in my scenario, this this happens a lot. Where like if you just warp to dock to G to four four, you can land up to two k away. That's close enough that it'll turn off your cloak, but not close enough for you to actually dock. Well, so for several seconds, you deserve what you get. Well, that well yeah, that's why you use a king using an insta dock. Yeah. But the same yeah, thing for can... gates. What I'll do if I'm running in high sec, I'll warp insta cloak, and then as soon as I'm off grid, I uncloak to start my countdown timer because you won't get hit coming to a gate. You'll only get hit leaving the gate. So then you get to the gate and jump, and then same thing, hit warp cloak, and it – I don't know. I guess someone could probably get underneath my cloak, but if you're, you know, right there on it, you're pressing the buttons. I don't know. I, I maybe I've been lucky for the past ten years. You might have been too. There, okay. there are people who are lucky for a very long time. Let's uh, move on to wormhole. wormhole eviction rain. I'll take this one. Okay, because I have not heard about this at all. Uh, wormhole eviction of proudly snoring. That's the name of the group. They were evicted by Unchained and Parabellum. I've heard of Parabellum. So here's the link. So pretty yeah. significant change to the game. It doesn't. It didn't seem pretty significant at the time to like most patch notes. But from an from a wormholeer perspective, it's huge. Which is the fact that now filaments don't work inside of wormholes. You combine that with the fact that like to self destruct a ship requires you to like break tether and take time. It means that a wormhole eviction system that has good hole control and monitoring the structures can all but guarantee that the stuff gets like dropped because they can prevent people from actually removing it from the wormhole. And there is no asset safety. Well, the asset safety drops it instead. So eviction's right, just got a whole lot more lucrative and effective. Well, yeah, that was, that, that's not a knock-on effect. Like that was part of the core discussion. That was the, yes, that was the intended effect. Absolutely. Yeah, they, yeah, people were, you know, so I was in Signal Cartel actively at the time when the original filaments were introduced, when they were only temporary. And that moment I said, if these things ever become permanent, this is going to break the entire game. Sure enough, when they made permanent ones, I said, guys, we have to start putting these in the rescue caches everywhere. Because right now we help people out, you know, by by getting to them and scanning them out. But if there's a filament there, they could just you know, get if they can get to the can, then they can just get themselves out immediately. So for years now, people have just been escaping from wormholes with no effort whatsoever. And that example that I gave is the least impactful one. There are far, far more impactful effects of being able to just evacuate from a wormhole regardless and get back to known space with gates. So the fact that now, this was removed was a result of an outcry from the community for for a long time. And the council is involved as well. Right. And now just for clarity, though, there is still one escape, which is that if you are docked in the structure in a ship and offline when it is destroyed, you will still be in that ship and will just warp to zero where that structure was when you log in. So often, like when we got evicted, I left my hauler in a in a freighter in the freighter from the wormhole and then logged her out, didn't log her in for another like two or three weeks. 
and after we've already set up a pause and all that sort of stuff. So you can save some stuff, but like the, especially when it comes to like capturing capitals, right? It used to be very typical to be able to destroy your capitals in time or to do something like that. Now it's going to be way harder to do that. Um, but also like your sub capitals, your big battle, you know, if you have a lot of battleships or anything like that, you're not going to be able to move them out. You're not going to be able to filament them out. You're not going to be able to filament out your blue loot that you haven't brought out yet. Any of that stuff. So in a wormhole, if you're docked in a ship and logged off and the structure explodes, it doesn't put you some random place in the system. It keeps you so when you log in, you warp right to the structure or where the structure was. Correct. You warp exactly yeah. where the structure was. That's normal in case space too, Kenneth. Yes, that's, that's how all structures work. So there was a big battle there. And there's a video for it. And there's also some kill mails. I think the interesting takeaway, besides the combat that goes on between groups, is that rules change uh, might affect the prospects for people getting their equipment out of wormholes during evictions. The other thing that, that it stopped is what would happen is guys would be running the sites in three or four marauders and a Loki or something, whatever, whatever combination of ships they use to run sites. When they see someone on D-Scan, all the sleepers typically only scram one ship. So they basically say, later, abandon that one ship. The other, the rest of them all warp out and then just fill them in out and call no joy to the people rolling the hole to try and kill them. I think that they could just fill them in them all out, right? Because it doesn't cause... It's the no, PvP combat scrammed. timer that causes you to not be able to fill them in. So if you, as, it's the sleeper as as scrams. They, Mm. Well, whatever. They had to leave it one behind anyway. for something. Yeah. 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 That strategy that changed. Now. Yeah. But yeah. So, oh. Okay, so that's that. I guess there's a abyssal cheat sheet, Rain. You want to. I mean, I don't know if I should talk about it. It's by Ashtarathi and Fonsui. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you introduced them. <laughs> you guys want to talk about this? Abyssal cheat sheet. What is it used for and who is it intended for? Sure. So a few years back when Abyss first came out, this really awesome Abyssal cheat sheet was put out that kind of just lets you know all of the n names of the ships and kind of what they represent, you know, what kind of E-War they have and all that sort of stuff. Because ultimately, when you're in the Abyss, it isn't just about having the correct ship. It's about knowing what to do and who your targets are and part of that is being able to identify them by their name so i know that when i first started being in the abyss it was incredibly useful to me to have the other cheat sheet on on the other monitor so that way i could reference it really quickly and know like oh who who does newts who does webs etc cetera, etc cetera. but unfortunately it didn't seem to get maintained there was some factual inaccuracies always with it but uh, then it also just didn't get maintained, and then they made a pretty significant change to the abyss. And so there wasn't any like really fully done cheat sheets that involved things like the Sancha room, the uh, the Angel room, and the Concord room, and all that stuff. So Fonsui and I hummed and hawed about it for a long time, and finally we got started. And over the course of about two to three pretty long sessions. We pieced together all of our knowledge, double-checked all kinds of stuff based on references, like double-checked everything we knew, put together this cheat sheet. It, I mean, obviously, it's kind of cryptic to people that don't necessarily know about the Abyss. I plan on making a video that kind of 
works with yeah, this. This, this doesn't teach you the abyss. This, right. Like this is the reference when you've already, you know, you kind of know it or you really know it, but you can't quite remember it. This is what you keep up. You could print it out, keep it on your other screen, whatever, and have it up while you're while you're running just so that you're 100 percent sure that you're doing things right. So right. is this is this only applicable if you're running filaments or is this apply like to Poshfin? No, no, no this, okay. is, well, this is. Well, the trigger and collective side is totally accurate in Poshfin. Yeah, yeah. This, some okay. Some of this information applies outside, but this this document itself is Abyssal Dead Space PVE Tier Zero through Six cheat sheet. I'm reading through it just to see if like I recognize some things. Like I know Angel Cartel and Sansha have rats in case space, but I don't know. I don't no, know if any of these. Unique. These yeah, are not. These these are, are none unique, of the other so, ones okay. are consistent with the ones in 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 case space. Yeah, only okay. only the Triglavi. So there's certain things about the sleepers and drifters. There are certain things about them that are common with sleepers and drifters that you'll see elsewhere in Eve Online, but not all of those things are the same. The Triglavians, I would say, are the most direct analogs to the Triglavians that you'll see outside of Abyssal Dead Space. But this should not be this should not be taken as a reference for anything outside of Abyssal Dead Space. You okay. mentioned sleepers and drifters. But I don't see drifters on the sheet. Can you explain uh, yeah. that for our folks? Vigilant uh, yeah. Taranos so, is the faction of the drifters. What most people think of as drifters is actually entitled Vigilant Taranos. So that section with the Ephialtes and the Charybdis and Scylla. Charybdis and Scylla, Charybdis is the drifter battleship. Scylla is the uh, drifter cruiser. Yeah, the game actually identifies them as drifter battleship and drifter cruiser in the type. So they, you know, that's that's official. That's not just an interpretation. But those are those are the drifters that I was referring to. The sleeper, the sleepers technically are part of the vigilant Tyrannos as well. They are in in the abyss. They're called Lucid. So the names you see there, from Aegis down to Deep Watcher, they'll all be, you know, prefixed by the word Lucid. And those are the sleepers, and they work for the vigilant Tyrannos as well. So I'm assuming you guys have shared this then with all the abyssal communities and one of the ones that you're in, and then. Matterall, for those curious, also linked it in chat, that Imgur link. Yep, I posted it in uh, Abyssal Lurkers Discord, which I strongly recommend anybody who's interested in the Abyss to check out. But also posted on Reddit. It was taken very, very favorably. Posted on Twitter, on the forums, you know, everywhere we can. Yeah. I, I, also, I mean, like, there has been a couple of corrections that, that has been pointed out. So I plan next week, like I said, to make a video that kind of explains the abyss like teaches a little bit about the abyss from the perspective of understanding this this particular yeah, sheet yeah, or that's using this sheet and i will probably put out like a v2 when that happens yeah the, also the two apparently arrows... i'm going to make a dark mode version I, i'm sorry yes yes you are you are definitely I, I we talked about it i said everybody was going to cry and you were like let them I, cry yeah. and now they've cried so now you're going to do it i do want to offer three correct well i want to point out the two corrections that that are already on there. One is that the shield boost duration in the upper right corner should be minus 40%, not plus. And the word Vila in the Triglavian section is spelled with two L's incorrectly. It should be one. Those are the I two, want to point out that, that, that one spelling mistake out of the entire thing is pretty freaking good for me and is a total credit to Fonsui, who caught the other 35. <laughs> yeah, that's so okay. I, so one correction that I want to offer is that I've been getting a lot like everybody was saying, oh, Ash and Fonsui made this and like I've been getting a lot of credit. But here's what happened. Ash wanted to do, I've thought about this, but like everybody thinks about doing stuff. 
Ash actually went and like started putting this together and did all the work and like collected most of the data, you know, did all the formatting. He's the one that built the thing. I sat there and pointed and said, change this, change this, change that. And he was like, okay. And like, so yes, I have added value, but like, this is, this is Ash's work. Good job, both of you. Thank you. Yeah. It looks, I was going to say, it looks really well done and I don't even do abyssals. I think I saw a comment. You might want to make the icons a bit bigger i don't i don't know if that they wouldn't fit yeah like they would fit but... yeah they, i continued like they started bigger and they continued to be kind of crunched down a little bit as, yeah, as so originally <laughs> originally it was it was just the you know the ship type icon and the and and like the damage and then like maybe some ewar and like we just kept adding and adding and adding stuff so stuff got smaller i think we may want to consider making the whole thing bigger but again like i this is ash's show and you know and i'm just making a poster it. That being said, the image is large. Like you can click on it and yeah. like it's, it's oh okay. It, Zoom it's, in, whatever. It's appearing yeah, there, smaller yeah, right now. Full size link for chat. Did chat get like a full size? Yeah, they... But like for instance, one of the things that we discovered is that the Ixion just has too many freaking things going for it. Because like yeah, technically was... it also tries to keep you at range, but we literally had to just drop that icon completely because it already had too many. Let's let's actually talk about that one icon in particular. Uh, so you'll you'll see there's a couple of this we debated about put, putting this in like I want I, I thought about it and I wanted it but I wasn't sure it belonged there. There most things in Abyss are designed to brawl you, meaning that they have a very 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 high maximum velocity and they have a very very low orbit velocity and they have a pretty pretty close orbit range. So they're going to be really fast. They're going to get in their desired range and then they're going to slow down and sit there. And you're designed to brawl them. They want you to use short-range weapons they, and, and, and brawl. They don't want you to kite. There are a couple yeah. of enemies that, even though this is brawling content, they're still going to keep you at range. So you can see we have a range icon next to the Drekovac and the Leshak and Charybdis and, and a couple of others. So the Ixion is a the angel guidance disruption ship. So it, it hurts your missile range and application. And that's what it, that's its one job. It's it's guidance disruptor, and it sits at 18 kilometers, which means that if you are a missile ship that is being disrupted by this, that means you're using webs, and it's sitting outside of not just Tech Two web range, it's sitting outside of Faction web range, and you really need to do something about that. So it deserved having the icon of this thing tries to keep you at range, and you're going to have to deal with that. We just didn't have room. I think that's the only one that we really left off. I think everything else made it in there. There's a lot of information on this page, is what he's trying to say. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a... The only thing I can think is if you put it in a Google Doc to like routinely update it and make it bigger, but I don't know if that's easier to maintain and people can mess with that or whatever. Getting the... So getting the content together, because like this could be this could be translated into a lot of different like Ash wanted to build this in Unity, you know, and he did it in Photoshop. So like in theory, since the content is already laid out, the words are already written, the pictures are already there. We know the information. It's all collated. In theory, it could be translated into some other format without a terrible amount of work, I think. Nice. Do you guys have anything more you want to share with us? It looks like. I mean, I think it looks great, even with the minor er errors you guys have or edits. 
No, I just, all I'll say is that my follow-up to this is that I'm working on an update to the Precursor Crisis document, which is the, the lore document to tracking the Triglavians and the Drifters and all that stuff as well. So stay tuned for more of that. Nice, okay. We're going to shift then. So speaking of like community content, this week was the return of Friendship Week. I say this week, probably, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, last week through Thursday of this week. Um, or this coming week, I guess it depends if you consider Sunday the beginning or the end of a weekend. Mm. So, or of a week, I should say. So, Friendship Week is back for those who are unaware. Friendship Week is where CCP kind of celebrates everyone. They have a lot of events going on, sort of community things. It's mostly focused on their Twitch page. So, twitch.tv slash CCP. So, they have a bunch of community streamers. I was one of them. I'm actually impressed Matt Earl didn't put the show on the stream. Yeah, that's well, did, did we have to sign up? What happened? Yeah, no, you didn't read no, the ping? Nobody approached us. Oh my uh, gosh. Oh, it must be a streamer. It was a streamer ping. So I don't know if Yeah, I think they want streamers, time. not talk shows. I get the impression. But yeah, know. that's probably true. So but so I talked a lot about community members, so you can see a lot of the community members there. But they also have CCP streaming, so they usually do like they have the Carnero show on Tuesdays, the CCP Alpha on Fridays, they did that already. They have ISD slow stream, so usually ISD will stream and just kind of chill with the chat. But they're also doing something more more involved, a dev roam. Let me try and figure out when that is. But I think it was two it was either Tuesday yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday sixteen hundred. So CCP dev roam. So Pan, Pando's gonna take the devs out and kind of roam them around. I don't know if they're filamenting or going from Gita somewhere. So keep an eye out if you're one of those folks online at that time in like a staging system, because it may come to you. I was also told that they would be dropping skins and or plex. Mm. So keep an eye out there. They don't just drop it, right? How do you get that? I know they're giving them away in chat, and then you can also earn oh. channel points. But the, I, it sounded like they were saying if you shot their ship, there may be a chance that drops with one of the items as an item. That's a very common thing in dev rooms, is that they, they load their ships up with plex and other you know, neat things. So that way, when they die... You can loot their, you know, the prizes. Yeah. So plex so that, always drop. <laughs> that would be no, that's the funny part. Sometimes no, it's no, just it's, destroyed. It's, oh. Yeah, it's, it's a kill. It's a kill mail and potential loot, and it's like all part of the game. Okay. Yeah. So, and then if if you're not really one of those folks, I know 1600. I'm at my day job, so I can't go. But uh, I, you can sit in the channel as well and collect points. I think so. I know when CCP Alpha was streaming, they also had predictions for those points, and I definitely lost my points. But you can you can sit and collect points, and when you're at ten thousand points, you can redeem a Galnet skin. So go in the channel, so just sit there. Usually, there's like a green icon too if you can collect the points, and that way you can slowly over time get have your chance at a skin. The Galnet skins are really pretty, and you can only get them through CCP. So streamers don't get them. I don't know if you can buy them. I mean, you can buy them on the market, but not buy them with Plex or money. So hang out in the nope. chat there. Only through this one method or, you know, other giveaways from CCP TV. Yeah. It's, it's worth noting that like 10,000 is a lot of points to collect. So really you only, you only get like the big wins if you, if you participate, if they do predictions and you participate and then win in said predictions. If you click on the green treasure chest, it's not too bad. That's, that's probably the biggest burst. I've gotten three skins so far, with I think one of them from doing, making, guessing good in the Alliance tournament. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that. So, like, right now you can redeem the skins. 
a lot of times, like, that's because this is Friendship Week. Most of the time when they do normal streams, you can collect points, but you can't redeem the skin. So a lot of people have been saving up their points. So if you're one of those folks who have been saving points since the Alliance Tournament back in November, now's a chance to redeem them. Right. The whole thing works on a bot that CCP Convict put together. So it sometimes has some issues and takes a little bit for them to get it back up. But you can always accumulate the points and then just ask beforehand if the bot is working before you try to redeem it. I, I believe it was uh, Lumicode that wrote it. I, I'm sure he worked with Convict, but I, I believe that that yeah. was the person that actually created the, the bot. Fair. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's super convenient. So what you can do is like, so he has a bot in the chat and you can do exclamation point IGN and then your in-game name. And so then that will link your in-game name to your Twitch account. And then when you redeem redeem a skin, what it does is it sends CCP a message saying like, hey, you know, Rain on Twitch redeemed a skin. And then they have it. So my in-game name is Rain Chocolate. So they automatically send me an Eve mail with the code and then how to redeem that code. So it's super, super convenient and not a lot of work on CCP's end. And it's really great for people who like to gamble points as well as just sit and collect points. Yep. And because it's a code, you get to decide where it is because... You know, you, you can decide what account you want to redeem the code on, and you get to decide when you want to, you know, redeem it, and therefore you can decide mm -hmm. where it spawns. Yeah, so people who like to sell skins instead of use them. On the flip side, if you don't like Twitch or don't want to use Twitch, you can also just buy them from the market. Yeah, this is this is the same, it's the same process as buying something from the New Eden store. It shows up in your redeem queue. I also strongly recommend if you are going to buy it on the market, keep very close eye on them because they'll probably fluctuate. One of the things I've caught on to is I believe that they send them out in bursts. So, like, for instance, I know at least two people oh, who have well, gotten uh, the, you're noticing, the Golem. Ash, what hmm? you're noticing is, is that it was broken for a while. That's why there weren't any redemptions and all the skins got a little bit rare. And it was very, very recently repaired. And yes. the redemptions were turned back on again. So it's so, it's not that. But when you do the redemption, you immediately there are no waves or bursts. Like and, I I as I what, redeemed, what I watched. Is, I redeemed, what, got a mail. Redeemed, got a mail. I understand that. What I'm saying is, is that in two days, two different people redeemed and both got golem skins. I I redeemed three in a row, and one of them was a golem, and one of them was two different other ships. Well, okay. I'm just saying, like, like back, back to back. It to seems back. like. Right, I understand that, but what I'm saying is that there seems to be a tendency for the same skin to be released to multiple people at the same time. Therefore, if you look at the price of the Golem skin, it has dropped faster than the other skins because there's a lot of them going out right now. Another thing that came through on this, I don't know if it's actually related to the Friendship Week, but there's a sale right now on Extractors. Yeah, there's a, there's a sale going on in connection to Friendship Week. Yeah, it says save on skill, skill extractors for Friendship Week. I don't know yeah. if they're doing skins, but well, I don't if, think they're doing skins, uh, like skin sales. I thought I thought all of the packs. Let me go double check. Oh yeah, the packs had a discount. I remember that. I think that was the reason I week. bring up extractors is because extractors are pegged to Plex. Plex appears to be going up these days, which means extractors are going up in price, which means there's very few opportunities. There's very few opportunities to buy uh, a discount uh, extractor right now. So if to give you an idea, if you were to buy one now, it would cost you about $320 million. But if you take advantage of the 15% off and use Plex to purchase it, and you buy a pack of 10, you can get it at $290 million. 
that is an instant, that is an instant, it's going to be an instant win for you because if you buy at 290 and then you resell at 320 and rinse and repeat over these next days or whatever, well, you have to wait for the sale to end and then you go and you sell it. You're going to make money if that's what you want to do. Well, keep in mind, any any and all skill farmers are probably going to be stocking up on their extractors. Later. Right. And they're not going to put that on the market. They're going to keep it for themselves, which means that the market price is going to go right back to its sturdy 320 pretty quickly. And so if you wanted to do that, you could. I have bought 200 extractors, but that's for different use rather than farming or for selling on the market. But if you wanted to, this would be a good time to do it. The only it, the only reason you wouldn't do it is if Plex all of a sudden started to tank and then the price of extractors would tank and then you would have bought high and that would be a ruinous uh, position. But I don't think that's happening. Kenneth, do you have any insight on Plex going up or down? Yeah, you know me. I don't really pay too much attention to that. You know, I just spent... What, 50 some thousand, whatever it was, 75,000. So I'm just slowly building up over time. I hope it doesn't go up too much, but yeah, I mean, I always have buy orders up, but I never pay too much attention to what they are over time. It is what it is. It costs what it costs and it's still cheaper than paying for it. <laughs> You're tickling your cat. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I like Kansas attitude because I'm so, the same way. I literally don't pay attention to Plex at all. Yeah. So there is the p sale on the packs which as of the right this second says that there's 16 hours left and it's somewhere between 20 to 50 percent off for each of the pa major packs that they've been selling then there is of course the in-game sale on extractors so if you buy the extractors out of game there's not a sale if you buy the extractors in game with plex there is a sale Right. And it does not look like any of the skins are on sale right now, like in-game. So the only sale in-game is the extractors, and the only sale out of game is the packs. And the packs end in 16 hours. I've, I've heard from very smart players, I think that starter pack is a really good deal. At 50% off, it almost uh, certainly yeah. is. Yeah, it's the, a slam dunk, essentially. The one that yeah. just ended a little bit ago, where they doubled the skills, and you could yeah, get 2 million one. skill points for... 35 bucks or whatever it was. I don't remember, but that was a freaking heck of a deal. That's the I, one I was I thinking feel like, of. I feel like this all needs a disclaimer though. Like I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for good deals and I will recognize and point out a good deal. And several of these are, but people should only buy this. If you were going to spend money on Eve online anyway, right? Like this is, the, if you were going to spend some money, now is the time to spend it. But like, don't make this change your decision, you know, to, to spend money just because it's a good deal. Well, Kenneth, I think that was a skill farmers deal, right? Because you can get a character right up to. Yeah, but I the mean, ability to farm if them. you're starting off, just start off with one account, farm it, save your, save your injectors. And then that's how you make the second one and the third one. And you just basically you reinvest until you get to how many you want to have. And then you can start farming the profit. I mean, I'd rather not, I'd rather not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd rather not rely on my wallet to, to start my skill farm. If I'm going to start yeah, a skill farm, I'm going to start it with the capital I already have in game. Now yeah, I realize not everyone has that, but you can still start off as an alpha, start off slow and plex one extra account and make it work for you eventually until skill farming doesn't work. And then, well, you're screwed. 
Yeah, the, the entire point of skill farming is to not pay money. So I would never recommend to pay money to get into skill farming. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I don't I don't skill farm in the literal sense of skill farming. I skill farm to get a free account. And if yeah, I don't it, it, need the account, then I don't skill farm it. But if I do need the account to build with, that's 30 build slots, 30 reaction slots, 30 science slots. And whether I make 100 million ISK or it costs me 100 million ISK, that's peanuts. Even if it costs me 100 million, if I can't make 100 million off 30 build slots, 30 science and 30 reaction in a month, then I probably don't just go back to playing Minecraft. Yeah, what Kenneth is describing is the fact that the primary reason for this existing and it being popular is not for profitability. Even though it usually happens to be profitable, you make a little bit. It's, it is a very little bit of ISK for uh, a, a decent amount of time. The main thing that you're getting is you're unbundling the Omega package because what you get with Omega is two separate things. You get unlocks, like you can use multiple accounts at once and modules and ships that you couldn't and skills that you couldn't use otherwise. And the other part is you get a bunch of skill points, skill training, training that you do not get if you don't get Omega. But if you don't need the training, if you don't need the skills, you just want the stuff unlocked so you could use the additional accounts then you can unbundle that by selling the skill points. And what that does is it either defrays the cost of the Omega or eliminates you know, entirely the cost of Omega or even makes you a little bit of ISK. But the little bit of ISK that it's making you is not the purpose of skill farming. That's not the point. It's not that profitable. Now, the first two, three years after they put extractors and, and injectors in the game, then yes, you could you could skill farm and you know make bank. It's just it's too much of a margin now. Just not not worth it to skill farm to to make isk. You do it to offset the cost of the omega. Right. It's a subsidy, not a not a profit, which is good. Correct. Like if if you can make more money spending selling the or if you can make more isk selling the SP than it costs to keep that account omega and get the extractors and all that, you know, the cost of operations. If it's profitable, that was one of the biggest problems that we had. Like everybody says rope walls and all that stuff. But the fact that it was literally profitable to have skill farms made it so that a lot of people, it went from, you know, is it worth justifying paying for another account in order to do this thing to, well, I've got 120 Omega accounts anyways, might as well throw yeah. bodies at the problem. It has, it has come down for me personally, and I know for others, to... I need this account active as Omega this month. I'm going to use it because I want it for whatever reason or because it's going to make me a bunch of ISK. If I can, I can either pay money for a subscription, I can pay the full cost in Plex, or I can pay the full cost in Plex and then sell the skill points that I generate this month, get to use the account and everything, and maybe it'll cost me 100 million ISK, but that's okay. If, 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 if after doing all the math and all the selling and everything, I'm underwater, I'm in the red by 100 million, that means I got an Omega account for 100 million ISK that month, which is a great deal. Yeah, it's just a subsidy now. And the two days in December, the two most glorious days in EVE Online, where they have the 15% off Plex sale. And I don't mean credit card, get Plex. I'm talking about the amount of Plex it costs you to plex the game so it yep, goes from that's a big one yeah it goes from 500 
a month down to, I can't remember now, was it 425? That sounds right, 425. Yeah, yeah. So, and now with the yearly on top of that, they they didn't initially, some CSM complained and then they adjusted the price of the yearly down as well instead of having to do 12 times to whatever. So you could buy the the monthly or the yearly for 15% off, even though the the yearly is normally buy 11 months, get one free. That's only what, eight, nine percent, something like that. So but they adjusted the yearly one down 15 percent as well. So you could go through and plex. Yeah, that was 14 accounts yearly. The fact is, if you try hard enough. I say that it's not so bad if you end up 100 mil in the red, but if you if you try hard enough, meaning you log in every day, you collect the login skill points, you get the event skill points, you know, you get you you only do stuff when it's on sale, and you're gonna end up in the black, like you're going to. It's not, and and it may be significant, but it is a decent amount of work, and it's the still the primary reason is you know just to have the omega unlock. But yeah, you can you can make a decent amount on this. This is really interesting. I've never, I don't skill farm. I don't really worry about trying to save all this, but this has been really interesting. So the extractors are now on sale. So that will only help people who are not only skill farming for a profit, but skill farming just to have a low, low maintenance account. Yeah. And if, and if you save up, like during this sale, if I can buy say a thousand extractors and just hold them, then I've paid less for those extractors. If Plex goes up, extractors are going to go up, but I still have my stash for the lower price. Then I keep the extractors, offset the cost of the accounts over time, and then wait till the two days in December, plex those accounts for a year for 15% less plex. That all just compounds into, I'll never really get into the point where it costs me that hundred million a month. I'm not going to make a ton of money from it, but it's like getting free accounts all year long. Yeah. Yeah. You got to surf your sales. It's also worth noting. I mean, like there is like a lot of people that in spite of my pleading, use extractors to effectively respect themselves, extracting skill points for things that, and then try to like, that's what I'm doing. Get mad, get mad at me. As soon as you said that for something else, I was like, I knew you were either moving yeah. it to another character or respecting it. And I was like, we're going to have a talk later, but I wasn't going to yeah. do it now. The disappointment is worse than anger. <laughs> do, I, do, I get to, do I get to use Chad as a straw man real quick? No. I mean, it's, but look at it. It's so easy. All, all PvE is boring. EVE is a PvP game. That's, so, that's such an easy straw man to just like knock at a little bit. I think you're being baited. You can you can type to oh, him if you'd like. All right. Well, I'll just leave it at that. That's a straw man, and it's easy to attack. And becoming less so all the time because they actually have made significant improvements to all kinds disappointed of disappointed dad stuff. talk. <sighs> speaking of like speaking of significant improvements, I'm gonna segue this into the Eve Academy talk and then NPE update. So CCP has actually been doing like really good. I don't know if you guys have done the latest NPE. I really like it. Um, I thought they did well, and then they've shared that they're doing more for the NPE. I think it was implied a couple months ago, a few months ago, when they when the first NP, or when the NPE was revamped for like hundredth time. They talked about like the character was like, okay, now go do the career agents, and like you're like, okay, I'll do the career agents, and the career agents are just like a like a cliff drop on like quality yeah. of introduction. 
And so CCP, so it was highly implied CCP was going to be updating the career agents. And now I think we're finally seeing that. I'm assuming the basic industry production intro is going right. to be the career so, agents. So the latest version, which I'm going to call like the Aura MPE, just for clarity, is the first fully voiced MPE since the Inception MPE back in like 2015. It's a relatively short encounter that kind of just deals with you boarding a ship and having to follow some guys into warp, do some basic combat maneuvers, and then you're done. Well, at the end of it, as you're kind of alluding to, she even suggests, it's like, I'm going to look into this and get back to you when I have more information. Like it's that, it's literally that on the nose about it. But then when they put in the mining MPE, you can actually go on Sissy to, to check it out now. Instead of that, it just now transitions into the next piece of the story where you're now sent to go help out this guy. Basically, they need you to go there and and to justify it, to explain why you're there, you have to be mining while you're there because it's a mining operation while you're doing your investigation. So it teaches a little bit more about mining. You get to interact with a whole other character. And then at the end of that one, in the same sort of way, they say, well, we'll get back to you when there's more information. So it's clear that they're going to continue to kind of tack on more to this story as they go. And just for now, the career agents still exist as kind of like the drop-off point while, when, while this MPE is not finished yet. Yeah, it's been, it's been great to see CCP actually finally doing more than just NPE. I, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but like, it felt like ever since 2016 when they had the alpha introduction, they were just like, oh, we redid the tutorial, we redid the NPE, we redid the tutorial. And it's like, okay, well, how many times are you going to do it before realizing like the tutorial is great and all, but the rest of the game isn't? And so now they're finally getting into, okay, maybe we should do something better than career agents to introduce players. And it's good because right. like most of the game, you can kind of fumble through like normal agents or not agents. Normal missions are boring as heck, pretty dull, and nobody really likes them. But instead of trying to revamp them, they just make it so you at least get a better introduction so that when you go to do them, it's a lot easier to transition. Same with like everything else, probing, market, etc. I, yeah, I have it on I have it on pretty good authority that at least three quarters of the R and D resources in you know assigned to Eve go to the new player experience. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of, of interest in this by CCP, and it's also like it's not just the MPE. They've straight up said that like this tech, this concept, the way that this PVE is presented, the way that you interact with everybody, is kind of the model going forward. They're going to try to make more and more of the universe this way. So. You know, I don't know when they're going to like revamp missions to have, you know, the characters talking to you or whatever, but that seems to be the direction that they're trying to go. They've been, this isn't just like the Inception MPE where they tried to build this like one scenario independently. They are building the tools to deliver this kind of content, which is why it's coming out in stages because they're, they're, they're literally building the tracks as they go. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for it mostly because, I mean, I feel like I've tried at least a little bit of the MP every time they revamp it. And there's always just something super, like, it always just made me really mad. I remember for, like, three years, every time I tried the tutorial, they would tell you, use your autopilot. And I was like, this is literally the dumbest thing, because if you talk to any EVE player, they say, don't autopilot. Like, even now, they're just like, don't autopilot. Like, everyone you talk to, high sec, null sec, low sec, I don't even know if forum calls can autopilot. But everyone just says, don't autopilot. And it's a consistent message that CCP would routinely mess up. And now it seems like we're finally on the track where we're not just throwing dumb advice at new players. Yeah. Well, as an example to that, one of the things I really like in this E is that they tell you to go to the career agent 
but then they tell you to like warp and jump and then they they tell you like each each jump because it knows how many jumps away it is she gives you a different piece of information so it's like you know go warp and jump here you go warp and jump and then she goes she starts telling you more and then tells you to you know warp and jump again so like as you're traveling she's talking to you as opposed to just like oh yeah set your destination there hit autopilot and we'll see you when you get there yeah that's way better too because it forces you to be engaged which like i don't know if you guys play other mmos but a lot of mmos are like that like you just kind of wander along and it's like, oh, here's this about the world and your character's talking and tutorial, blah, 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 or whatever. And it's like nice that Eve is actually implementing something like that. That's what got me to stick around was uh, I was like, I don't mind playing this game alone. I know there's a world out there. I don't need to belong to it. But I've got this aura talking to me. She's kind of cool. I want to hang out. Yeah. That's all it took. See- CCP is is clearly putting a lot of work into this. They're putting a lot of attention to this. I've made a couple of videos so far of me like just going through the tutorial and giving feedback, uh, kind of being cheeky about it a few times. But like not only have they fixed already, like I made a video where I complain about all these different things and the next day like half of the things were already fixed. And it, I'm not saying that like they were that responsive or they jumped to what I you say. What, what I'm saying is that they were, they were like two steps ahead of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, and that's and good. Then, and I have been contacted privately by more than a few CCP devs commenting on my, my videos about the MPE, commenting about how they, they appreciate it and how they're using it and internally and all that sort of stuff. So they are very much paying attention to this MPE and trying to make it right. When you do your There's videos... A- Ash, can you also talk about how the default overview needs to be changed? I can. I, I want to say I did, I needed but to that's fix that yeah. dude's eyes. Oh my god, his eyes! Yeah, no, I I bugged out the the program, like the MPE, the second the second playthrough, the one with the mining one. It messed him up, so all of the 3D modeling was all super like weird. Like Aura's arms were like in her stomach and would like reach out. And the dude's eyes were like strung, Ugh. like went an extra inch out and like bulged out of his face. So it was good. You got to watch the video. It's fun. <laughs> the devs watch a lot more Twitch streams than people have any idea that they watch. Uh, that is very good to know. Hi, CCP. Do you think they're watching now? <laughs> they're probably yes, watching yeah. the VOD. <laughs> yeah. You know Fast how I forward. know that they're watching? Because I'll get messages on Slack while we're in the show. They'll say you said too much, CSM no. 16. No, remember, was it this show when a while back, oh crap, I just started client. Hold on, it's loud. A while back, I said something about the Orca and drones uh, yeah. and mining. And I got a message from someone that says, no, blah, blah, blah. And, and then we had a conversation. And then 10 minutes later, they replied in chat and said, yep, we're going to fix that. That's not right. That was all just from watching the show. Awesome. Whenever, I will say, and that, that's like always interesting. I don't know if any of you are going to run for CSM. Like Kenneth's already on CSM. We asked, we were talking to him earlier about rerunning. But a lot of people always ask me, like, why don't you run? And I'm like, I don't need to. Like, if I have complaints about something, like, I'm not a subject matter expert by any means. If I have complaints about some or suggestions, I can just complain about it 200 times on a stream. And eventually, maybe somewhere, a dev will hear me. Maybe a CSM will Won't member. Some dev get rid of this meddlesome priest. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's interesting stuff like that. Like, especially some rat. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, it's like, Hey team, you know, it'd be really cool. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Like that's how pink skins got in. It took like years of players just complaining about pink skins. Not not me, not me, but there were multiple people. And like, that was one of my things on the stream as I was like, damn dude, if only there are pink skins. Then I'd look real sad. I went back and looked at our last episode and there was this gigantic spike. I mean, it was higher than when we started of chapter because I chaptered it out. So this giant spike of attention to one area. And I thought, what the heck was discussed there? I thought it was some rumor or some joke or something. No, it was me saying, I really like these skins, these arrows blossom skins. <laughs> that was like a monstrous spike. Dude, it was it. probably the devs being like, okay, see, we put them on the market again. How do we know they're doing good? And like, we'll see this this video right here. This guy's talking about it. They love the skins. Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird because it's not... And you know what? I, f- I figured out why I have such an attachment to them, Rain, and you're in, you're involved in this. You were the one discussing them on open comms. And I remember... I just remember that moment of picking up my son at school and it was the sun was setting in LA and all this beautiful stuff going around. And I was listening to, to open comms VOD or the podcast and you guys were discussing the arrows blossom. And there was just something about that era where things felt really good. Like a lot of people were making content. It was fun. There was cool things happening and pink skins had entered the game. <laughs> Yeah, it's so wholesome. And like, I always get really salty because everyone's always like, oh, my grimdark. And it's like, I don't care about your stupid ass grimdark. Like <laughs> the world, the world isn't always ugly. Like even in an apocalypse, there's still a sun and things are still beautiful. It's like, yeah, you can have like the grimdark memes and oh, whatever. But like, like even in game, like you fly to like a sun or a planet and you look at it and you're like, wow, that's really pretty or a nebula. And then everyone's like, oh, my grimdark, my ship's going to look all angry. It's like, why can't your ship look like the cosmos? Like, why can't everything just be beautiful? Well, now it's going to, it's going to reflect everything around you. So yeah, that now too, like the art in the game can be pretty and you can still have like a dark themed game, but I don't know. I was miserably yeah. salty about that. You want to know the worst part about flying in a fleet with rain? If you don't have a skin on your ship, she'll pick on you. Yeah. She may not. She may not rep you. So I, I re- every time I join a fleet now, if I don't have a skin for whatever ship, I go to G to buy one, apply it, just so I have some skin, so I get reps. Friends My, don't let friends fly naked. Yeah. My favorite thing with like streaming wars is like everyone's like, oh yeah, look at our Titan fleet. And I'll I'll go through and I'll find the Titan without a skin. I'll be like, who flies the ship? Look how ugly he is. What is he poor? He can afford a Titan but not a skin. And I'll call him out. Then usually people are watching so they roast him or whatever. So it's it's always fun, like promoting skins. Does does he put a barrel over his Erebus at that point? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like a like a shame thing. <laughs> yeah. One one suspenders in a barrel. Sorry. One thing that has frustrated me about this whole thing with with CCP like watching and and responding to the community is like so Bjorn B recently had the, his whole Poco thing where and that ran into some problems and then we just got uh noticed that they're changing the Pocos to basically fix the problem so now you can't ninja a Poco as it's being you know the the previous ones being destroyed like you could before and there are people that gave them trouble that this is like uh, you know, all you have to do is be a streamer to get what you want. It's like, dude, we have to be happy with something, man. You guys want to complain that they don't pay attention to our stuff or respond to what we need or take forever to to fix something. And then they fix something in like a month and say that it is directly because of, 
you know, something, somebody from the community, you want to give trouble about that too? Like they have been so much like the, the responsiveness of CCP to what is going on in the actual game itself recently has been incredible compared to the pre, you know, the past. There, there is, there is no one real quick to, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. We're just running out of time. Uh, I got to run. So, okay. Yeah. There there is no one route to, to the devs. I I think that rain earlier said, you know, she just doesn't, doesn't feel like she has to run for the council because she's just complained 200 times. And that's another route. And there's the Eve partner program, which you can get into by right, by making a podcast or a blog that enough people read. There are a lot of different ways and people that you can work with and contact to, you know, to get things done. So I don't think that complaining that one of them worked is productive. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference. I, I say complain, but there's also a difference between complaining about something and proposing solutions. Like it, everyone can point out a problem, right? But only certain, like it takes like a lot of effort to propose solutions. So you're talking about podcasts and blogs. And a lot of people have done that. They'll say, hey, I found this problem. I think this is broken. And then they go into like write out why they think it's broken you know, numbers, like quantitative evidence. And then they'll say, well, here's a solution I think that would work. And then they explain it. And then it's like, when you do that with CCP, whether you're CSM or otherwise, like CCP then is able to look at it without having to dedicate tons of resources. Like if I go to Swift and I say, hey, Swift, this sucks. He then has to go out and spend hours to figure out why I think it sucks or what does it really suck? Is it just me complaining? And so it's a thousand times easier for him to take 10 seconds and say, yep, that's just rain complaining than it is for him to go out and do that research. But if I present to him that research and say, here, I did all this, call it research or like any sort of empiric, like anecdotal evidence, then I can say, here's all this stuff I did. Can you look at it? And then he can take, you know, an hour to read it and say, oh, shit, this has merit or, oh, no, this doesn't. And then, you know, go from there. And so whether like people give Bjorn crap or, you know, someone like me for skins crap, but anyone could do this. You can write a blog, you can post on Reddit, you can post on the forums. There are tons of people who spend a lot of time taking evidence and posting. And I think that they deserve a lot of merit for, you know, just not only having that passion, but helping guide CCP. Yeah. Like I can, I can say from personal experience that like, I'm, I'm not like this big personality. I don't have my own platform. You know, I don't put out my own content, but I get paid attention to. I talk to devs, they do my stuff, like they, they've put in entire features based on my suggestions. Things have been fixed behind the scenes because I've worked with devs and communicated with them. And it's just, if you, if you care enough and you are constructive enough, then you don't even need a platform to get stuff done. Yeah. And I will say CCP has also done the flip side where they'll ask for player input. So recently there's been a lot of UK based disconnects. So just systemically, people will be like, hey, I logged in on all these accounts. All of us DC'd or like, I remember I, I undocked a fleet and half the fleet DC'd. And so people have been complaining nonstop and it's like perfectly valid complaints. And so CCP finally is picking up on this. They put out a forum post to say, hey, we're doing some research. Can you guys submit tickets? Every time you DC, submit a ticket. Here's the information we want. And then we'll follow up. And they're actually making good progress. It turns out it was a like a routing issue with a certain provider in the United Kingdom. So they're trying to work with that, you know, another big corporation to figure out why that's happening. So that's another easiest example of like, you don't need to be like, you know, a big shot in the game to do something. You can actually help even if it's just something super small. CCP Explorer has tweeted about all of that recently as well to tell you exactly what CCP's trouble ticket number is with Virgin Media UK. 
and to reference that ticket when you put in a trouble ticket with Virgin Media so that Virgin Media can collate all those together and stuff. It, it, they realize it's a problem and they've been trying to be as helpful as they can, but it's not necessarily their problem directly. So they're trying to help the community get resolution as a whole. Yeah, and I posted the forum link too. So if anyone's affected by that, or you, let's say you find a friend who is or someone else, feel free to direct them there. Hopefully it gets fixed. I mean, like people disconnecting from the game is not fun at all. It's not fun for anyone, whether you're flying against them or with them. I know, so we kind of skipped around. I don't know if we want to talk about more topics or matter. you think we should try yeah. and close this out. I was going to yeah, skip what? over a couple of things. Oh, First up, of all, the, like, we do have the patch notes, but the patch notes is mostly just, you know, ending the previous event, getting things ready for the next one. The biggest stuff is going to be coming in the next patch, which is where we get the compression changes, the new mining MPE, and probably the mining blitz event that's coming out, which is basically the resource wars thing. And estimated, like people are guessing around the 8th probably for, for that. But the, the current patch notes are nothing pretty significant. Well, it, it is. One thing Which in the one? current patch notes, it says the metal level restrictions used by the abyssal uh, proving crowds now apply to boosters. And they had to put metal levels right. on all the boosters because people, the, the boosters that you get for making a new character are OP as hell. That's so true. Pe people were making new accounts, skill injecting them just to get the booster, oh, just Jason. to win <laughs> PVP. Of, yeah. That is freaking, oh my God. That's next level. And, really, and I'm going to throw yeah. it out there. They suggested that fix. So players suggested that fix in the partner discord too. Like I remember yeah. someone asked it and I didn't understand the issue. So we talked about it, but they were able to lay out, okay, here's the issue. Here's it in detail. And here's how I think we should fix it. And that was one of the things, one of the easy suggestions at a meta level. And so, CSM was involved with that as well. And I'm, I'm assuming players also use other platforms, but that was how I found it. That's a good transition. Speaking of the Proving Conduit, we are currently having the 50th Proving Conduit. Uh, today, it was at 48 hours, so it's still going on today. 1v1 Battleship Proving Grounds. It was one of their more popular in the past. It is apparently very popular again. You get to get, like, it gives you, I think, 100 million to help reimburse you. And that plus insurance is probably uh, quite a bit of the cost especially if you're using just kind of normal stuff. It does limit what, what sort of things you can bring in. So it's not like people are bringing in blinged out ships or anything like that. As you said, people can't even bring in the overpowered boosters. But right now, in order to place in the top 100 in order, and get in the rewards, you would have to get four wins. So it is very much still possible to, to participate and get involved if you're watching this live in particular. I wonder how... The, the change for the extenders and the plates isn't in yet, right? Correct. Correct. That is not yeah. in. I wonder how that's going to ch change the meta with the Praxis. In, because the Praxis is pretty popular and pretty OP with all the slots. But now that other battleships are going to get that bonus, but the Praxis won't. I wonder. Now, it won't affect this one, but I wonder how that will affect the next one. Yeah, I didn't see very many Praxi in in at least the versions I saw. Yeah, I know they've been used in the past. So we'll we'll have to see. I wonder if they'll change some of the Proving Ground sort of requirements then. Should I talk about the Serenity thing? Yeah, I kind of want you to talk about the Serenity thing. Yeah, so, I mean, as people probably think Serenity is like just like always. 
dead with no conflicts, but conflict has arisen. So, in the past weeks, we saw the breakup of PIBC as an alliance. Well, it break up in two parts. So, if you look at this map right now, it well traditionally PIBC has been separated into two: the north and the south. So, this was the whole result of the previous wars that made what PIBC is right now. So there have been a lot of problems with with having two regions or two separate areas for the entire alliances. Different rats, different policies. Even though you're under the same alliance tag, but things are very different and they are organized differently with different leadership. And there's only one person at the top, which is Mental, who are organizing them both. And so that's been a problem bothering the alliance leader for quite some time. And recently, the resolution is the north part of PIBC is going to join VVV, which they also do have a presence on TQ. They used to be part of the PenFam renters, I believe. And now I think they just mixed it into PenFam and become their like CN player, part of the CN player community base. So right now, a big war. So when when they broke up into two, basically the north part of PIBC joined VVV, it was said that it's a peaceful one and that things will remain in order and both sides will become friends, same as what things would look like before. But today, well, just a few hours ago, we got the news that VVV has started war deck PIBC and that's a start of entire server war, essentially. So we don't know much about it yet, but we know that there is going to be a war. Most likely, that involves the two huge coalitions, well, two huge alliances, basically. The North part, generally speaking, is better equipped and have more experienced FC than the South part, but because a lot of the South part of the PIBC moved to Tranquility and what was known as AOM before the whole drama thing happened. So right now we're gonna see like I think a lot of players returning to TQ, to to Serenity, who used to be playing with TQ and thought Serenity basically was so boring and there's no PvP at all, and a lot of players back in the days who were involved in some sort of conflicts will be back all those FCs, and I think there will be a lot of interesting battles and a lot of interesting conflicts that we're gonna see in the future on Serenity server. So who are you cheering for? Do you have you picked a side? Well I used to be part of A1. So but so so the problem is back in the days people were coming from the north and the south to A1 to TQ. So there are a mix of both. So yeah. It's, we're gonna see. Uh, so you so you have friends on both sides. So you're yeah. just really yeah. Are you gonna? So you mentioned a lot of folks may go from Tranquility back to Serenity to partake. Or do you know? Like, are you going to? Or do you have friends who are going no, to? No, no, no. I only play on uh, on Tranquility, but I know a lot of people who, let's say, uh, will invest more of their time. I would say on Serenity, so they will okay. still keep playing t- Tranquility, but it just when when there's let's say during the CN time zone when they're on online, most likely they will join that conflict instead of, let's say, fighting in low sec or like roaming, stuff like that. Alrighty. I'm curious then. So like, I know when we had Boars and Eve, a lot of people stream them. Is that common on Serenity? Like, do you guys have content creators or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do content, uh, they do streaming. And 
well, back in the days when PIPs was dominating, there was not much content per se. It's more like drops with like super caps and all that stuff. But I think with uh, this whole uh, drama, I would say, happened a lot more interesting like battles and more even battles, I would say, to be seen. So I'm looking at the map too, and I noticed the two giant white blobs. I'm assuming is that VVV and PIBC split or? Uh, well, so it hasn't really updated it yet, I think, for this map. Oh, but the okay. white part at the top with Veil and all the way to Vino, uh, that's all going to be become part of VVV. Okay, I see that. And so then what about the southeast? Like, there's like that purplish and then the greens. Like, are they part of PIBC? Well, so, so that's the thing. Like, at this point, we don't know who is going to be, like, the actual friends or foes decided then like kind yeah. of neutral yeah at this point it's, well, it's gonna be interesting, interesting to see like how many people fall for vvv and how many people actually fall for uh pipc because again it's, it's basically one great power so vvv was actually part of the giant coalition on that server and they were friends with pipc and they were good friends with pipc but i guess time has you come and like friendship bureaus and all that stuff and so now they're in a conflict and a lot of people need to choose side. Yeah. I was going to say, you said if both PIBC and VVV were friends and they were empowered together, hold on. What would happen if, hold on a sec. Oh, excuse me. One second. Uh, I'm going to say what I was going to say, which is that just like TQ, there's a giant Keepstar staged in perimeter right outside the Cheetah gate. And the interesting thing to watch is that VV said they're going to blow that up. And in that Keepstar, many people have a lot of their assets in there. And like back in the days, we're still currently trading. And we're gonna, it's been interesting to see if that actually ends up happening. Then what's like, if, if that Keepstar is about to pop, then what kind of things can drop and potentially how, many, how much things people are going to lose to asset safety and to all that stuff. So is that like a staging Keepstar then? Sorry, I have a cold, so it's like been murdering my throat. Well, it's not necessarily staging Keepstar. It's like the trading one, just like the one we have uh, from TDT. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there always an option that all the third parties could like create a third party, like a giant third party coalition? Well, it's possible, but again, and that's that come question comes to, are you really able to fight against the other two? <laughs> or are you, are you just going to choose a side to fall uh, fall with. Yeah, I got you. Sorry, I keep coughing. You can't. Oh, you can't see me on camera. Oh yes, we can. <laughs> My left eye is tearing up from coughing so hard. I see your cat abandoned you too. You start coughing. It scares her. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah, it scares her. Sorry, sorry, Shen. Okay, okay. Well, was there anything else on that uh, particular topic? Because I, I mean, looking at the map, it doesn't look like VVV has a great deal of space. I take it they have numbers. Yeah, but if you imagine the north part in PIBC, it's all going to become VVV space. That made it much more even than what it yeah, seems that, right now. The white blob what is what yeah. he's talking about, Nick. Okay, so basically we're going to have to probably wait for a, an update to the uh, map here soon. Yeah, like majority of the Grista space, I would assume. All right. So who updates? I was gonna say, who updates that map then? Like, can we expect that like tomorrow, or is that like a monthly thing? Let me look. Because I know the one on 
TQ is updated pretty regularly, right? Like every week? Right. But it takes, you know, when you attack an iHub and change it, and then the iHub changes, but the TCU doesn't change because no one cares about the TCU, but the TCU is the flag that drives the update. So it, it may take longer depending on if they actually change the TCUs right away or not. Well, does that mean corporations quitting alliances and joining other alliances? Okay, so, so the way that it works now is when a corporation has a system, an iHub and a flag, and they leave an alliance and join a new alliance, the, the iHub and TCU go to the executive corp of the alliance that they're leaving. They don't take it with them to the new alliance. So if they want to change the system from whatever it is now to VVV, they're going to have to right-click, blow up the TCU and the iHub, and drop new ones. Or, but the, the, I'm pretty sure the executive corp will not change. Like, so it's going to be the executive corp stays, but other corps that joins the alliance is going to quit and then join VVV. So and it's probably going to be like... Change. Yeah, it's probably going to be like a huge intosis battle, I would assume. Over no. The, well, if you think about it, VVV has to take out all those iHubs. Right. Even the people who are living in them. Okay, but so so it, are we talking about an area that's under conflict or is there other areas and people are just going to join? Because if they're just going to join, they, before they leave, they can right-click, explode the iHub, and the iHub will explode and VVV just puts a new one down and toses it for 10 minutes and it's done, right? So it depends on if they basically burn their bridge on the way out the door or whether they're going to fight over it. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. We'll have to wait and see, I think, yeah. But, uh... but that'll that'll determine how fast the map changes. So then, like, how does fighting usually work then on Serenity? Like, if I'm thinking TQ, it's always at borders. I'm assuming the same for Serenity? Yeah, well, the different thing is you don't have different time zones, and that's one of the reasons why PIBC was able to dominate, I would say, just because timers usually come out around the same time and everyone basically gets on this at the same time so battles are bigger i would say because imagine like the EUTs and usdt squeeze into one or just all three time zones squeeze into one time zone you see a lot of people but that means it's gonna be like no conflict for like the entire day and then spike during the night type of thing will that change if there's people who like like let's say they're in school and it's a holiday or you know maybe they don't have a job they can just like or work from home would they like log in and play during off time zones to like try and do like uh, guerrilla warfare or something like that is that possible yeah yeah i would say let's say in, let's say in tosis maybe uh if like, it depends on the window of course but right now let's say eating out uh, using filaments and things like that will be much more fun than what it used to be or a few days nice. ago okay no, that's interesting I'm i'm excited to see how this turns out because everyone always uses serenity as like the whole like super passive server and now that's not the case yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll see. Does anyone else have any questions around the Serenity server? I know that was one of our bigger topics, but it's Porsche and leading the charge. I'm going to assume no. So I know we're kind of winding down. We've been going for almost two hours now. So someone reached out to me. So Ben from from Eve in Montreal, he's one of the guys behind the event. So Eve Montreal 2020, they're doing personalized merch. So the event is actually going on March 26th 
2020 or 2020 to 2022. Oh my gosh, words are hard. So they're doing it at the Sugar Shack. They have a picture. Yeah, if you show the picture and then I don't know if they have a link to that picture. But if you click there and sign up, it gives you more details about when and where. So it's, it's at 11, but it looks like food. So you can bring friends and family. Definitely sign up. Get I don't know if they're doing, I think it's tickets. So then that way everything's free. Otherwise, I think you just buy your food. But if you sign up before March, 3rd, March 13th, you can get personalized merch. So definitely do that if you're one of those people who like swag. They have somebody there doing personalized merch for everyone, but only if you sign up early. So if you show up at the like, same day, you're obviously not going to be able to get it. There's a lot of stuff for Unlimited Bacon. I just noticed that. I thought it was a little logo uh, for the all-you-can-eat buffet. So sign up if you're in Montreal or able to make the trip. Get that get that uh, personalized swag. And then actually join and have fun with your fellow eveners. March 26th in Montreal. So that's Canada. Unlike for those who don't know. For those who don't know, Montreal and Canada. Have you guys... I was going to say, have you guys been to New Me lately? But like, there's barely any happening because of the pandemic. I keep forgetting that. Well, we were both at Eve New Orleans. I think that's doing it again this year, right? Yeah, that's that's further down the line. That's in June. There's, I, I'm excited though. There's a lot in March, and then there's Fan Fest in May for those who can make that. So we talked a little bit earlier about the Des Moines meetup. So that's March 13, and then Montreal or not March 13, March 11 through 13, and then Montreal March 26, Fan Fest in Reykjavik, Iceland is May 6 through 7th. Lots of lots of chances to meet up with folks, no matter where you are from the world. Yeah, I'd like to come to the Des Moines one, but I have to I have to be at a job on the 13th, so that'd make that kind of difficult. Oh yeah, and yes, apparently there is all unlimited bacon. It's an all you can eat buffet, so I think it's unlimited everything. But bacon's the key one. Yeah, but is it real bacon or that fake Canadian stuff? I don't know. The picture looks like normal American bacon. But if it's a buffet, I'm guessing they're going to have fake Canadian bacon, too. You have both. What the heck? <laughs> All you can eat. They're just going to have everything. What's it called? Poutine? They're going to have that, too. Timmy's. They're probably going to have Timmy's or whatever. Tim Hortons. Not Timmy's. Uh, nasty coffee. What? You can't say that about Canada? You, you know how Tim Hortons was made. It was the guy liked the nasty coffee at his kid's hockey game or something. So I tried to replicate it into a store. I'm unbiased with coffee because I have terrible taste buds. So I never know if coffee is good or bad. Having the origin story start at a hockey game feels like it's so Canadian it's fake. But Tim Hortons is owned by Burger King now. Shame. Yep, selling out to the man. it's It's a large shame, though. That's a classic. Everyone's hating on Tim Hortons. What the heck? You guys are going to get a stern talking to you from a Canadian. That's what I'm hoping to just stir up something in chat. That's the only reason I said oh, it. All the Canadians come out. You don't want to make Canadians mad. You know what's what? Really what both of them? Is as soon as I'm done with this, I'm getting ready to put Canadian bacon on my Blackstone and cook it so I can make homemade egg McMuffins for lunch. Sounds awesome. I'm excited, though. For I mean, like this Montreal meat looks cool. I want to see what the swag is. I'll send you a picture when I'm done. All right. I was I was not given what the merch was, so it says personalized merch. So I'm guessing that's swag, and I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping people can go and then show us what it is because I was not told. Maybe it's like a surprise. That's all I had. I don't know if anyone had any final thoughts before we close out or anything they wanted to discuss. I'll start at the top with uh, Kenneth. No, I'm good. Just 
uh, waiting for all the compression stuff to come out and uh, seeing if there's any issues with that. All right, Ash? Yeah, I guess to close it out, I'll just say that on my YouTube video, uh, on my YouTube channel and on my Twitch stream, I've been trying to focus a lot on guides and such. So I did about six hours of fitting guides talking about like how every single, you know, how the different slots work and how everything kind of works, not specific fittings, but just like the mechanics of how, what modules go where, et cetera. The six um, hour guide or you spent six hours? It's six hours total. It was two videos. So I did like okay. four and a half the first day and an hour and a half the second day, I think is what it worked, worked out at. It was, I went, I made it all the way down to low slots armor tank before I had to tap out. And then the next day I wrapped up it, wrapped it up with the rest of the low slots and rigs. Anywho, nice. there's timestamps, timestamps everywhere. So that way you can get it. But then I also just made a, a scanning and sensors video and a, I'm going to release it's probably today, my bookmark, you know, shared bookmark locations video. If people are interested in a topic to be addressed or talked about, you know, please hit me up on Discord. Alrighty, and then Fonsui. To bring it back to the discussion about Alliance tournament ships, there is a unique and special opportunity for a very short amount of time. Normally, there are a number of things that are not available for free for testing on Singularity. Those things are super capitals, skill injectors, Alliance tournament ships, officer modules. These two Alliance tournament ships, the Raiju and the Leilaps, the brand new ones, I believe were mistakenly excluded from, you know, the do not seed list. So for the remainder of this mirror, probably for the next couple of months, anywhere from two to four months on Singularity, you can fly for free these Alliance tournament ships. And it's a lot of fun. So if you want to try it out and see what it's like, or if you're evaluating buying one, then you can try before you buy. But only for the next few months, they'll probably fix it in the next year. No, that's good to know. Thank you. Nick, did you have anything? I got nothing. Just a lot of fun is today. I just realized your background is pictures of buffalo. Or no, they're bison, bison, damn it. <laughs> they're bison. In fact, if you, look, if you look over my shoulder here and you see the, the river on the other side is uh, Kenneth's cabin. Oh, okay, okay. Wild bison. All right, and then Shen. I would say look out for the uh, Serenity stuff. But other than that, I'm waiting for some big changes still on the, on the way. Yeah, thank you for talking about Serenity. That's something not a lot of us get insight to, and I'm looking forward to sort of the the development of this war because I feel like you're gonna, we're going to get lots of updates from you and hear more about it. Yeah, I'll try my best to get as much info as I can. No, no pressure, right? Well, just Alliance meeting leaked, you know, type of thing. Oh, just listen to oh. them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true, too. I, I don't like leaks. I always like hearing stuff directly from people. And so with that, we're going to close out today's episode of talking in stations i'm not sure who nick has in mind to rate i know ccp is live if you want to go cheese your points otherwise we'll pick another random person out there to rate yeah it's gonna take it's gonna take me a moment to get it set up sometimes twitch doesn't like me that's okay twitch doesn't like me either but so we're gonna we're gonna do a raid thank you everyone shout out to the folks probably listening afterwards on youtube this may or may not be cut but we still think of you and then thank you everyone to twitch chat for being for hanging out Rain doesn't know her animals. Whatever, dude. They're, they're like almost extinct. Bye, everyone.